everybody, and welcome back to the In The Now podcast. This is your host, Claudia Urita. And many of you know this, but I'm a yoga instructor. I've talked about it a couple times on this channel. And I teach two times a week. Um, Right now, I'm actually instructing a workshop as well. So that's three classes. And as a high school student, and also, I also work a part-time job as well. And I volunteer. And I'm a senior, so it's the college application season right now for early action schools. And so there's a lot going on in my life right now. I've been a little bit absent on this channel for a little bit. Recently, teaching yoga classes has become my only form of practicing yoga. And throughout my classes, I try to be as knowledgeable of the eight limbs of yoga, of Ashtanga as I can, right? So I include asana, obviously, and then pranayama. And I always begin and end the class with meditation or with stillness, right? And so I'm still getting these multiple limbs of yoga throughout my practice, but it's become more of me teaching and less of me practicing this philosophy. And so I decided within the past couple days, I've been reading some of my old books and I have them all annotated from when I did my yoga teacher training, but I haven't picked them up in a long time. And one of my favorite ones is The Path of the Yoga Sutras by Nikolai Bachman. And it's his interpretation. And he kind of dives in to many of the teachings of yoga. I also really like... Um, Yoga for a World Out of Balance by Michael Stone. But today I figured I would talk about a few of my favorite yamas. And so the yamas translate to the social ethics of yoga. And throughout the yoga philosophy, there's not really any consequences for not practicing these teachings, right? There's, it's not like a commandment or anything strict. There's no punishment if one fails to live in a way that aligns with these ethics and these teachings, but they're rather there as a guideline, a guideline towards a life that has a reduced amount of suffering. And for some, that sounds a little bit gruesome when we say say it that way, right? Because then it kind of makes the whole idea of yoga seem like it's a little bit pessimistic. And this kind of ties into the roots of Buddhism as well. You can start to see that connection here. Um, But Buddhism and yoga philosophy, the Yoga Sutra, they're both kind of rooted in the idea that we're emancipating ourselves from the ideas that society has kind of pushed onto us and the ideas of the ego and greed and all of these things that are kind of making us escape the joy of life, right? So, for example, like when we feel a lot of greed, it's hard to be appreciative, And that greed is kind of described as the idea of suffering. So it's kind of interesting to think about it that way. And so, like I mentioned, a lot of people tend to think it's pessimistic, right? That the idea of these two philosophies and these two beliefs are very kind of centered around that idea of getting away from suffering. But I don't think of it that way. (laughs) And so I'd like to talk about these yamas today. Like I said, they're described as the social ethics, and one of them, I've been bringing up, there's two of them that I'd like to discuss. I've been bringing them up recently in my classes quite a bit, 
because I find them really prominent in my life. So to start off, a stan, which translates to non-stealing. And so when we typically think of this, we think of like not taking from a store, not taking what's not ours. And that tends to be like physical things that come to mind, right? But it can be dove into a little bit deeper. It can be unpacked a little bit more than that. We can think of it as not taking not taking time away from people, not taking energy away from people, not taking what's not meant to be ours. And I really like to think of it, my own little interpretation is kind of putting my faith in the universe, putting my faith in what's meant to happen. And sometimes this can be a controversial point of view, but I really like the saying, like everything happens for a purpose and for a reason. And that's, it's true. Like some people could argue that there's a lot of unexplainable things that happen and that's a hundred percent correct. But I find that there's a lesson that comes from everything. And so kind of putting that faith into the universe, into a higher power, or simply just letting it go into something else, letting yourself kind of let go of these things that might be controlling our headspace, that might be kind of tearing down our mindsets. I'm just kind of putting it out there. It's an, it's an act of non-stealing. Non-stealing the peace. Non-stealing simplicity and happiness away from ourselves. By simply letting it go. And on another note, we could also interpret it by like greed, right? When we think of taking greed in any form. Whether that's wanting a relationship. Wanting a really nice job position that you've been looking for. And it's great to like dream and to go after these great things. But... It's also important to understand where they're coming from, right? And as described in yoga and in Buddhism, oftentimes greed leads to more greed. When we think of yoga, right, a lot of us tend to think of the physical practice, but also there's the breath work, there's the eight limbs of yoga, asana, pranayama, those other things, right? And so just to break those down, like we have asana, which is the movement of the body, the physical postures that we tend to think of, like tree pose, vrkasana, downward facing dog, adho svanasana, right? And so these are kind of described as the preparation of the physical body in order to kind of set ourselves up for a successful spiritual connection. And so they can be really introspective in a way, especially vinyasa practices, right? Because we're moving each pose we find we do it with an inhale or an exhale, right? Think of like a Surya Namaskar, a sun salutation. When we inhale, we find Urdhva Hastasana, the arms rise up and overhead. As we exhale, we bow down, moving into Uttanasana, standing forward fold, right? And so that's just an example. Like we're moving through the body with the breath. And I really favor vinyasa because of that. And I feel like a lot of Hatha practices are like that. A lot of the current yoga practices in this modern time, in this generation, involve the breath. But vinyasa specifically, like, its roots, its name comes from the roots, like, moving with the breath. And it's really, really powerful, in my opinion. And so, I kind of went off on a tangent here, but combining asana with pranayama is really helpful to help us kind of clear the mind, clear the body... And also on an energetic level, clear, clearing our spirit, clearing our soul in preparation for this like inward 
turning, which is described as Isvara Pratyaya. I think I butchered that. I gotta go back and make sure I pronounced it right. But it translates to this self-study, this internal reflection, and kind of almost doing like a body scan, right? Scanning our physical body, scanning our mental body, and scanning our spiritual body, and just kind of checking in with ourselves, seeing how we're doing. And so when we cleanse the body through these movements and through combining it with the breath, it allows for that time of Isvara Pratyaya, this time of internal reflection and mindfulness, which is a more common name for it, but it's, that's what it is. It's this practice of mindfulness. And so to connect it back to Asteya, it can be easy throughout a yoga practice, throughout an asana practice, like in a public class or in a meditation, it can be easy to let the mind wander away. And it's perfectly human, right? Like we have these busy lives. We live in this culture where it's really hustled and fast paced. And so it's completely normal for our minds to wander. But we can also think of that as a form of asteya, right? Non-stealing. Like if we see ourselves starting to kind of drift from the practice that we're in, maybe that's a sign that we need a break. Maybe that's a sign to reflect internally, to once again practice this teaching of Isvara Pradyaya. So I find it really interesting, and I try to remind my yoga students of this, especially in the introduction. Like, I either start in, like, a Shavasana or maybe Virasana or even, like, Sukhasana, right? In the introduction of the class, just kind of reminding and acknowledging that it's okay to become distracted but that's kind of what we're working towards with this yoga practice we're working towards this self-study and it can also be taken off the mat when we think of these yamas when we think of these social ethics and these social teachings and so to kind of carry that down to the next one i decided to talk about aparigraha today which translates to non-acquisitiveness And so, once again, we can think of this as a collection, like a hoarding of stuff, and kind of feeding the ego with these materialistic things, right? And the accumulation of these things kind of makes our egos stronger. And so I have a random story to share. I went shopping yesterday, and there's this lipstick. This is such a silly and minuscule story, but there's this lipstick, and I've been wanting it for a while, but I have a huge collection of lip glosses, lipsticks, lip balms. It's an insanely absurd collection, right? But I still bought it. And then I was reading my yoga book last night after I was shopping, and I'm reading about Aparigraha. And in my life, I typically think of this teaching as letting go, like, mentally, kind of like what I said earlier, putting our faith into the universe, putting it in God's hands, putting it in the universe's hands, right? But... For me, last night, I was thinking of it as a non-accumulation in, like, a physical matter. And that's something I need to practice. I see myself doing it sometimes, accumulating and kind of feeding the ego, right? Like, I'm going to buy this lipstick. It's going to bring me a sense of joy. And then probably next week, it's just going to be like any other lipstick that I just have sitting in the drawer. And kind of each week, there's a new thing. There's something. There's always something that social media that is marketed to us, right? And I feel like that's a very relatable thing in this culture because 
all of these brands kind of feed off of our psychological impulses to kind of market their products and to make their brand grow bigger, which is the way of the world. But sometimes it just leads to us falling into this pattern of acquisitiveness and feeding our own egos because, oh, we see this new shiny thing in front of us, of course we're going to want it. But sometimes we should connect back, right, to this teaching of Isvara Pradiyaya, this internal reflection, right? And we can think, like, do we really need this? Or is it just something that's going to bring a temporary amount of joy? Is it just something that's going to fuel the ego? Because, yeah, it might feel great, but honestly, that's just kind of food for the ego. And the more we kind of feed the ego, that's kind of when we accumulate this sense of greed and hunger for more and more and more and more. And then we feel this unsatisfaction. And so I find it really refreshing to remind myself that these ideas, that these identities of the ego and this fueling for the ego is shallow right? It's really not who we are. We're not just our ego. We're so much more than that. And so when I find myself in these situations where I'm feeling like unsatisfied with what I have, I try to reflect on all of these great things in my life. And you know, like everyone's in a different situation. But last night I found myself thinking about just the fact that we're alive, right? It's a miracle that we're all on this planet at the same time. Like, think of the people in our lives, think of our family, think of our friends, the people who support us. And there's all these amazing people around us and doing amazing things. And the fact that we get to be alive and to be witnessing their stories and their messages all around us at the same time and to be learning from them and sharing with them our own lives, that's really incredible. And also the fact, like, we have all of these, we have millions of atoms within us that are just keeping us alive there's millions of atoms all around us like creating these beautiful things that we enjoy like plants and the earth and the ocean and it's really wild and like all of the cells in our body they're all functioning together to keep us alive and I know it sounds a little bit hippy dippy and a little bit strung out right but it's kind of cool to think about these things that bring us together that bring us alive to keep us kind of united all together and so sometimes when we feel these senses of wanting I kind of remind myself like once again of that universal path that we're all on we can connect that to samsara and the teachings of karma right like samsara can be described as kind of what I've been mentioning our universal path like what is destined for us to happen And each little action we make is part of that. And that's described as our karma. And it kind of has an impact on our future. So the energy that we're putting out into the world is the energy that we're going to receive. But it's not necessarily like doing something bad to someone and then something bad happens to you. It's not necessarily like that. It's like every little decision we make is what is going to bring us that same energy that we put out. Um, So, for example, like, if we're reaching out to get, like, a new job opportunity, then we might end up with a well-paying and successful job. Versus if we're not reaching out at all, then we're not going to end up with a well-paying and successful job. You know what I mean? So it's like our decisions 
and our act or what do you call it? our actions, right? The decisions and the actions that we're making are what is going to determine our future. So not necessarily that mystical idea of doing something bad and then automatically having something weird and randomly bad happen to you. That's kind of portrayed through the media, but just a little connection there. But we can think of these, the life path that we're meant to have, this samsara that's kind of determined for us to figure out as we traverse through our lives. And sometimes when we feel like we really wanted something and it didn't happen, it can be really disappointing. Like to get super excited for something or super invested in something and then it not working out. It can be a huge disappointment. And it's human nature to be disappointed by these things. It's totally okay and to feel these emotions, right? But once again, like what happens, happens. And there's always a lesson that kind of comes from this. And so rather than putting a lot of anger and negative emotions into these disappointments, obviously feeling our emotions, right? But rather than kind of dwelling in it, allowing ourselves to kind of understand like there's a lesson that comes out of this. There's a teaching, like it's going to be okay in the end. And this thing that we were really looking forward to that didn't end up happening it wasn't meant to happen for us right like that's our it's not part of our samsara it's not part of our universal path and sometimes that can be disappointing especially if something happened in the past and we're looking for it to happen again and we kind of have that connection to something that might have happened in the past and we're looking for it over and over again but we can't quite seem to fill and achieve that satisfaction it can be disappointing but we can connect it back to that teaching of a parigraha. But I think a parigraha goes hand in hand with a, another teaching, excuse me, raga, which is described as like a stain. And that's kind of what the direct translation is a stain, like a color that's kind of splotched onto us, though. It's like a stain in our path, in our past, excuse me. And so it's described as when we have this really positive experience in the past and we attach to it we latch onto it and then we keep expecting it to happen and feeling that disappointment feeling that unsatisfaction when it doesn't occur again that's described as the raga that stain that kind of lingers on us um but as described in the book by Nikolai Bachman the path of the yoga teachings we're not clinging to the past and it can be difficult to do that but I find it really powerful once again to tune into that Isvara Pradyaya study that self-study that self-reflection and simply focusing on what we need in the present moment and what's going on with us in the now in this moment and maybe that's through meditation maybe that's through listening to music maybe it's through journaling or going for a walk or anything like that, any outlet that brings you that sense of meditative reflection on what's really going on. For some people, that might be playing a sport, or going for a drive, or eating a really good meal, or taking a shower. There's so many things that it could be. But it's important to find that connection with the self. And maybe it's not even in a yogic or philosophical or religious way at all. Maybe there's no spiritual correlation to it. Simply tuning in to what's going on with us holds a lot of power and 
I think it's wild because these decades, these decades and decades of yoga history is kind of backed up by this modern science that we have proving that mindfulness is really powerful. And decades and centuries ago when these sutras were written, like back in the Indus River Valley days, like (laughs) there wasn't the science. It was just how these cultures lived. It was how these people practiced this belief system. And it's what made them feel good. And that's why they kept practicing. And that's why it still exists today. But now we have this science that kind of proves it to be like really beneficial for our mental health and for our well-being. And that's a whole other topic that I could get into. But I think it's really interesting. And so on that note, I'd like to end this episode today. Hopefully that inspires you to maybe go and do an activity that provides you that sense of Isvara Pradiyaya, that sense of self-reflection. And there's so many different forms of it. So maybe you decide to journal, to do some affirmations, to go for a walk, to make a really good meal, or maybe simply enjoying like a nice drink, a nice cup of coffee. So I found this on the web. So I'll leave you on that note today. Thank you all for joining me in this podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.